You are listening to After Sunday, a Vintage Church NOLA podcast hosted by lead pastor Dustin Turner. After Sunday is focused on helping you live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church Monday through Saturday. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to After Sunday. My name is Dustin Turner, and I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. In the life of the church, Sundays are important, but not everything happens on Sunday. Life happens Monday through Saturday. So my hope is that this podcast inspires and equips you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. On this week's episode, I am excited to talk with my friends and fellow pastors, Matt Brichetto, Matthew Weaver, and Mark Anthony Thomas. If you don't know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, so we're recording this podcast so you will buy us gifts and thank us and love us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, kind of. But in all seriousness, we wanted to take um, some time this month. I wanted to take some time this month to honor my fellow pastors These are men of God who not only love God, but love his church. And so this is an opportunity for me as the lead pastor of Vintage to honor them. But also, I wanted to give our church and listeners an opportunity to get to know our pastors a bit more and be able to understand a little bit about the call to pastoral ministry and what the office of pastor looks like in the life of our church and in the life of the church today. So thank you guys for joining us. I know this is uh, fun for you. Uh, Let's kick it off by you just introducing yourself. Give us a little bit of your story and tell us what you do with Vintage Church. Well, good to be with you guys today. Thanks for having us, Pastor Dustin. Uh, This is uh, Pastor Matthew Weaver. And um, so I'm originally from Georgia, born and raised in Georgia and uh, grew up there, went to high school there, went to college there. And then uh, after college, uh, moved to South Carolina for a little while, for about two years, to work at a church in a college ministry. And that was kind of my, uh, when I surrendered to ministry, was really in that time. I know we'll get to that, but after South Carolina, um, God opened the door for me to move down here uh, in 2014 to go to seminary at New Orleans Seminary. And basically since that, I've been at Vintage since, uh, since 2014. A lot has happened since then. I got married. I've been married for almost five years. And uh, literally, as we record this, uh, we are expecting our first baby any day now. So God willing, when this comes out, we will have a baby. So uh, that's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, so my family is kind of spread out. My wife's family is from here. And my family is kind of spread out in the southeast. So uh, been here for, for a little while now. And it's been a an awesome experience. So I serve as the ministries pastor at Ventus Church. So I kind of have my hands in just about a little bit of everything, and uh, and I love it. So that's a little bit about me. Cool. Well, uh, I am uh, Pastor Mark Anthony, and um, I'm the arts pastor here at Vintage Church. Uh, I guess my story uh, starts off in um, 1990. My mom and dad uh, loved each other, and then uh, nine months later, I came, and uh, <laughs> it's been a good journey ever since. Uh, no, I'm joking. No, seriously. Uh, so a little bit of my story. Um, I, I came to faith at an early age, around five. Mainly, it was to be in a youth choir, but I also understood that there was a, a joy in just serving and um, so I, I joined the youth choir and I stayed in the youth choir. And then eventually uh, I moved up to the adult praise team at my home church, Greater St. Stephen. And then um, 
uh, things started getting uh, getting uh, a little more serious, and I took it seriously, and I started doing some uh, some traveling with some uh, pastor friends, and then I uh, went to college, um, and uh, in twenty what seventeen December twenty seventeen, my dad passed, and that's how I found my way here at Vintage. And um, while I feel like I was tricked into being here uh, a little bit, uh, it's definitely been a joy. Uh, I get to. Uh, make music, something that um, I've always wanted to do full-time. And while, while it doesn't look like most of my friends' life uh, with them being full-time musicians, um, I still consider myself one I enjoy doing what I do. Uh, I love making music. I love singing. I love collaborating. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm Matt Marchetto, uh, known mainly as uh, Pastor Brick. Um, my whole family's the, the name is The Bricks. Um, but I'm also uh, not from New Orleans originally. Born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I'm a grad of the University of Tennessee. I moved down to New Orleans a year and a half after Katrina. Started seminary um, and even was a part of helping start uh, Vintage Church. Uh, have a wife who's a CPA, works uh, downtown. Uh, three kiddos that are all in school. Um, and then as a pastor, uh, as an executive pastor, I do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So it's mainly admin, um, a lot of accounting, uh, a lot of operations, and logistical type of things. All the stuff that we don't like to do, Pastor Britt gets to do. Mm-hmm. And he keeps us out of jail, so that's important. <laughs> uh, take a moment and describe your calling into pastoral ministry. What was that like, and uh, what has it been like as you're fulfilling that calling? Well, uh, at the age of six is when I actually gave my life to Christ. Um, Grew up in the church, grew up in a solid Christian home, was exposed to the gospel at a young age. And at the age of six, I was in a a worship service on a Sunday morning, I believe. And it was just any other, you know, like any other Sunday. But I was like finally in like big church, you know, I was like uh, able to sit in the service. And uh, the pastor... uh, I don't remember what the sermon was about, but clearly he shared the gospel, presented the gospel, and focused a lot on the cross. And uh, that experience, something happened that day where I was drawn to the cross and why Jesus died on the cross. And so that day, actually, I think I got home and began to talk with my dad about the cross, about the gospel, about Jesus, about uh, why Jesus did what he did for us. And my dad began to unpack the gospel to me and the Holy Spirit was working in my heart. So I prayed with my dad that I believe it was the same day to receive Christ. And um, basically since that day, obviously as a kid, you have like a very basic understanding of the gospel. Um, But throughout growing up, um, I was very involved in the church uh, as a student in the student ministry, like just super active, but I definitely struggled a lot with like uh, living completely, you know, surrendered as a Christian, because if you know me, you know my personality. I'm a people guy. So I struggled a lot as a kid and as a teenager with people pleasing. So I found myself going back and forth, back and forth. Like, I'm a Christian, but I also want to fit in, fit in with these people and these friends. So honestly, I would kind of be open and honest and say that I think I kind of lived kind of wishy-washy for a lot of years. So when I graduated high school is actually when I felt like hey, I can't do this any longer. I need to just, I'm either Christian or I'm not. So I actually went into college with that mindset of, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to own up to the decision that I made to follow Christ as a kid. And I'm going to actually go all in with this going into college because I had lived such a back and forth life for several years as a teenager, and I just couldn't do it any longer. 
So college is when I began to feel called to ministry. Throughout college, uh, I just teased out different opportunities. And as I teased out different opportunities with uh, youth ministry, I worked as like a counselor at Fuge Camps in the summer with teenagers. I did BCM stuff with college ministry, local church stuff. And honestly, throughout college, God just made it more and more and more clear that I was passionate about two things. I was passionate about Jesus, and I was passionate about people. And that's all I knew, and I just couldn't envision myself doing anything else. So when I got to like the back end of college, I had fully surrendered to ministry, and I was focused in on like pursuing that. And, uh, and so that's like I got super involved in various ministry things my junior and senior year of college. Uh, and that ex- I was a super senior. I did, I did uh, four and a half semesters. Uh, so <laughs> by the end of that, I was like, I, this is what I'm called to do. And that's when I moved to South Carolina to take an internship at a church. And uh, from then on, God just began to make it more clear to me and uh, give me different opportunities with different age groups, different people. And now, honestly, saying as a pastor, like I love ministering to uh, and pastoring people of all ages. So for me, it was like a process of opportunity and growth and experience. And along the way, God made it more clear to me that I was called to ministry. Nice. Uh, I have a similar uh, uh, wishy-washy type thing. Uh, I've always felt I was uh, called to ministry, um, even as a child. That's, uh, I grew up in a very charismatic, Pentecostal, apostolic background. So like... Um, unfortunately, I was that kid in school that was always imitating church. Um, for, uh, I will always have quickenings or like we were shouting. You still do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I found friends who honestly found the same humor I did. Uh, they, they genuinely loved church. Uh, they were church kids, uh, befriended all kind of preachers' kids and like other organ, like just um, even at NOCA when I was a student there, um, I, I we used to sneak off in practice rooms just to like prepare for church on Sundays. Like, I don't know. We, we I always had that vibe, but of course, naturally, um, life has its way of kind of just want to just, uh, deter you from those things. So I think around 18 and 19, when many started getting serious, I wanted to start fitting in and, um, want to do other things. I, uh, I ran away from it for uh, years. Um, even though like, uh, we were, again, I came from a charismatic background, so, uh, prophecy was a thing and I, I was prophesied at least two, two, three times that I would be in this position, uh, didn't want to accept it, um, ran away from it, tried to, tried to get out of it by pursuing opera full time, but I didn't love it. So that wasn't going to last too long. Then I was like, let me try the jazz stuff, but I couldn't separate the jazz from the church. Um, and so then I realized, you know what, this is just who I am. Um, but, uh, two months ago in a couple of days, I would, uh, I was ordained and I, I think I said that night, um, what saved me from making my life harder was serving. And that's the only time I felt fulfilled, um, in spite of all, all and, uh, um, through all my running, through all my different options, uh, I've, I only felt fulfilled serving in church, being in church, talking about Jesus, um, singing about Jesus, uh, sharing the gospel. Um, and that's one thing that I never could hide either. Um, so I, I think it was more so I've always knew I was called. I just didn't want to accept the calling, even though I could never separate the calling from 
anything else. So, um, yeah, like it, it just was one of those things. I always knew it, just never accepted it. And finally, two months ago, in a couple of days, I finally said yes because I didn't want to struggle with trying to figure out um, what else I can do before I finally said yes, if that makes sense. So it's good. Um, yeah, for me, uh, my calling uh, was in, over a number of years in high school, um, uh, similar to both you and Weaver, Weaver and Mark, um, trying maybe other things, thinking about that sort of what, what I was going to do when I grew up out of college. Um, but really, as a high school senior, I uh, decided I was going to pursue uh, pastoral ministry, um, got a business degree at, at UT for that reason, um, wanted to get that type of experience. But then I would really say, I, I'd say um, cutting my teeth a little bit in ministry in college, serving in my uh, church and middle school ministry. And then there's just a lot of clarification came in college with some stuff I was exposed to doing like you did Weaver camps. Um, probably really three main mentors in my life helping sort of shape that calling Um which I think is a part of, of calling, not just something I felt, but people seeing that and, and affirming that and pointing me sort of in some directions um, to sort of pursue that, you know, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and then just wanting to have the impact, I think, being raised like, like you all as well in a Christian home as well as just a, a really strong, loving church. A lot of people actually left that church to go into ministry, uh, which is pretty awesome. So the church was pretty impactful in that way as I look back at it now, you know. What about you, Dustin? Oh, yeah. you're not allowed to turn the mic on me. Uh, <laughs> calling, I was in eighth grade, and uh, I was at this uh, very traditional Baptist church and um, was at a revival service. A tent? <clears throat> it wasn't a tent. It wasn't a tent. I think it was in the winter, and it was cold, and so we weren't going to do a tent. <laughs> Uh, and a uh, very similar story to you guys in some instances where I don't even remember what the sermon was about, but um, I just remember feeling like this this calling, like this is what I'm supposed to do. And I think um, for the most part, uh, my parents and friends and family were probably like, uh, he's in eighth grade, you know, this is just the next iteration of... Uh, he wanted to be a doctor, and then uh, when you I was, are a doctor, I am. That's true. That's true. true. You're right, <laughs> but he can't uh, write sick notes. <laughs> but yeah, I will not write you a doctor's note. Um, then I wanted to be in the speech. NBA, and everybody laughed at that because I'm five foot six and a half. Hmm. Um, so I think my family just thought, well, you know, this is just kind of the next thing. And then uh, through high school, I really kind of pursued, similar to your story, Mark, like serving and ministry opportunities. And then I went into college knowing that uh, ministry was where I was called. So I, you know, I, I pursued a degree that kind of fit with that. It was interpersonal communication. And then um, I think it was, I, I share this with a lot of people, but it was coming into seminary. The, it was the, my time in seminary and my time at Vintage that was really instrumental. Though God used those two things to not call me to ministry, but to clarify what my calling was actually going to look like. And, um, yeah, and so it was a lot of those things together. Um, so, and, Brick, similar to your story, I think it was um, people affirming along the way that, yeah, this is obviously something that you're called to. This is obviously something you need to keep pursuing. And so that's my calling. That's good. Wait, um, can I add something? Because, no. <laughs> oh no, oh wait, no Go, wait. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I know I, I wanted to add. I thought. I mean, when you just said that, I thought about Weaver, and I know, I know you and I struggle with like trying to fit in, 
But I also realize um, when you are truly called to, like, other people recognize it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the difference, at least at least for me, the difference was I was trying to fit in to something that if you people liked me or people knew me, they knew I was called and they never asked me to compromise who I was to hang. I was trying to compromise who I was to hang with other people. Mm. So I think other people recognize the calling, too. Yeah, It's a matter of how much do you recognize it? And what you're gonna do to follow through? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just that it came to mind when you. It's mm-hmm. good. Um, next question, the one that uh, no one wants to answer, but uh, for you, <laughs> what are the greatest challenges of pastoral ministry? I got. I mean, just a few things, a few thoughts as I was processing this. I think. Uh, I think the past two years have revealed, just like the realness of pastoral ministry, and like. I don't know, you guys have heard of the honeymoon phase. So, like, if you're married, you have the honey, you know, honeymoon phase or this or that. Like, I feel like when I first became a pastor, it was like a pastor honeymoon phase, for me at least. It was like, this is just awesome. You know, like, I'm, I'm a pastor now, and I've, I, you know, I've kind of reached this, like, you know, this point where I've surrendered to it. I'm actually, like, an ordained pastor. Like, this is kind of it. That's just kind of me being honest about kind of some things I would process. But the longer you are a pastor, I know you you two for sure can speak to this. I've been a pastor now for oh man, four years. Four years in December. Okay, right? Thank you. Yes, four years. <laughs> uh, and I would just say, the longer you're a pastor, the longer you are you are just exposed to real life tough situations, and it's just not always. It's, it's it's not always, you know, just like honeymoon, you know, flashy and amazing and this and that. Like it's real life, difficult situations that you're, that you're in. So it comes down to you have to ask yourself the question, even when this is really, really hard, am I going to be faithful? Um, am I going to continue to persevere? <clears throat> am I going to continue to go back to the calling that God placed in my life and go back to that decision? We talk about that a lot with marriage or you know, if you become a vintage partner, you have this covenant and you remind yourself of that covenant you made to be faithful to the local church. Like it's similar as a pastor. Like if God called you, even when it's tough and you may be tempted to want to just, man, I can't do this. Are you going to go back to the, the call of God? And the call of God is what keeps you in it, right? If it's not for the call of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you can't do it. So uh, I think the past two years, all the things that have happened have just reminded me of that throughout COVID, throughout um, the hurricane we just had, throughout loss, throughout the political division, um, all the things in our culture that make its way into, um, because the church is full of people. So we're all experiencing similar things. And when you have to navigate those waters, it makes it very difficult. Um, So the challenges right now for me is just navigating difficult situations and helping people move towards Christian maturity um, in the middle of their their circumstances, because, you know, my answer is kind of the same for this question and the next question. People can be difficult. I'm difficult. We're all difficult. And so when people are struggling and people are really facing real life, tough situations that are, that are pulling them in different directions as a pastor, it takes a lot of wisdom knowing how to lead them in those difficult waters. So I would just say right now, my thoughts are navigating really tough, cultural life situations and helping people stay focused on the gospel, even when 
everything else says not to. Yeah, we've. Uh, I will agree with you. I think one of the biggest challenges is just um, people. Um, you want them to see the bigger picture, and it sometimes resonates and, t- and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I kind of got a. For me, um, I didn't have a honeymoon phase because. Couple of days jump later, right in, right? in the middle, jump right in, and then uh, a hurricane came, right? And then uh, in a pandemic, uh, so I think the first three weeks was like, oh, okay, this is cute, and then I'm like, oh god, this is uh, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Um, but I, uh, um, I, I think I have to think about a little bit for me. Um, naturally, I'm a teacher, and I gotta for me, I gotta sometimes uh, make a parallel between uh, teaching. And pastoral care and ministry that um, what worked today may not work tomorrow, or my or the language we use to describe or like work through a situation uh, may not work for the next person. And so for me, I think the biggest thing is, uh, well, for teaching is like constantly trying to find the language so that someone's perspective and mind can open to a new concept. To know I did, and I think for pastoral ministry, it's the same thing. I'm constantly trying to find not necessarily the right language, but maybe sometimes the right uh, scripture or the right uh, just wisdom or just the right words to um, to like bestow wisdom to say, oh, this isn't uh, what you may think it may be, or this there's a brighter side, or just think back in the past and see how things were before, like this stuff like that. I think the big yeah the, the biggest thing is trying to connect with whoever the specific individuals are to make them realize um, that what's happening to them is really happening for them. I think that's the biggest challenge that I've, that I've had so far. Yeah. A little bit different what you are saying. I think one of, one of the challenges is just my own self. And I think it's the the identity being tied, um, you know, to sort of church trends up and down and stuff. I mean, we, we, we give a lot of hours to, our ministry and so for me a lot of times it's that's just one of the challenges you know is just to be a person but not be tied so much to whether things are good or bad you know which I think the challenge is that it it makes it makes me at times tired and can be very tiring you know I think then too um it's it makes friendships you know challenging sometimes because there's it's sort of it's lame at times I can't ever set the pastoral title off you know and so how do you just exist and a lot of interactions are in a, which is great. You're in a, a relationship where you can influence and you can, uh, you're looked at for answers or whatever. But sometimes it's just like I just want to be friend, you know, and not, not be the one I have to give advice or be the one that has to give advice or whatever like that. So I think that can be some of the challenges, just how how tightly we get um, tied our identity to this. It is the church and how this family goes and how the mission's going or the ministry's going or whatever like that, you know. So. Yeah, those are hard to unravel. Um, and I think one of the things uh, that I'm processing in a lot of this is there's a, there's a subjective answer to this question and there's an objective qu- answer. And the, the objective answer is people are challenging. And I think we can say that because we know that all four of us are, chal- are challenging, right? Mm-hmm. I, I joke about this from the pulpit, but all you have to do is live with me and then you'll know, right? I wake up and I'm grouchy or... You know, my kids are driving me nuts or or whatnot. So people are challenging, and I think one of the things that I'm wrestling with and processing 
is, um, you know, there's a reason that the uh, Catholic Church calls their pastors fathers. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, we kind of as Protestants look at that and we're like, oh, I don't know if I want to be called a father, but where we really are as pastors, like the father of a bunch <clears throat> of children. And uh, mm-hmm. Weaver is on the cusp of learning so many of these lessons. But uh, parenting can be really tough mm-hmm. because you feel like you te- you're telling your kid the same thing a hundred times. And it takes a hundred times before it like clicks. And then it's up to them whether or not they actually want to do what they know is right. you know. And I think that's the case for the church. And the reason I say that is because that's the case for me. I it takes me a long time to figure something out, and then it takes me a long time to actually say, I believe this, and I'm going to do something about it. So I think naturally, leading the church, that's part of the reason there's a challenge. The subject of peace for me that I think I'm learning more and more and more is just the element of trusting God, because uh, I'm looking to solve the problem because naturally I'm a problem solver, I'm a doer. So my immediate response is, okay, what are we going to do? What am I going to do to fix X? God is showing me this through my lack of faith more than anything of just, uh, you don't really trust me. You say you trust me, but then you actually trust yourself more than you trust me. So the subjective challenge for me is like, no, 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 God, you actually know what's better for these people than I do. What can... How can I trust you actually with them instead of trying to solve all the problems myself? Because perhaps my solution isn't the solution to the problem. Hmm. Maybe you actually have the solution. Now you all can hold me that to me. To, you can all hold that, hold me to that. Because tomorrow I'll probably come with a solution. <laughs> so, um, greatest challenge. Now let's flip it and let's look at the positive. What's your favorite? thing about being a pastor? Well, I would say, um, I said it in the last question, like people are, are tough, but people are also like really, uh, fulfilling, like getting to walk with people through life in that way as a pastor is really special. Um, getting to, as Brick said, like people coming to you for wisdom, people trusting you enough, um, to ask what you think. People, calling you, you being one of the first people they call, you know, when either something amazing is going on and they just want to let you know, or someone just passed away. I think about, um, Miss Dottie in our church. She just had a family member pass away and she just wanted to keep the the pastors updated the whole time with everything. And she just was so like appreciative of us just loving on her and just like super encouraging towards us as we ministered to her, you know, I think about getting to walk through uh, weddings with couples, and I think about um, pastoral care and getting to share God's Word and getting to uh, just be that for people, even though it's got its challenges a lot. It also has just as many, if not more, blessings. So I would say for me, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind, is just getting to be someone's pastor and getting to share that with people and uh, and watch what God does in people's lives and have a front row seat to that. Yeah, I think the life change is always the, the greatest joy I've mm. done of this year. We had a baptism video where the guy was like, you know, showing that Jesus is legit. So the sometimes the rawness of just people, mm-hmm. their first walks in faith, I think are a great joy. And I think, you know, it is 
it, it is cool the wide range of people that we get to encounter and serve um and and even how god used our particular ministry obviously we're uh working on either becoming locals or wanting to stay and that kind of stuff and and there's other people who've been transient but it's pretty pretty cool to see what god does here and then also for seasons you know there there's seasons people have been in our lives or in our ministry and now we've got friends all over and you know we can uh maybe not have to pay for hoteling where we go you know because of people that move on um that that take whatever that time is here and go and serve that in other places or uh whatever like that so it, it always it oh it's always it's lame and it, it hurts to like send people but then there is a sense where you know we see people all over the country and, and sometimes the world. So that's a that's a pretty cool joy too. I think of yeah, I would say the same. Um, I think my favorite thing is the amount of interesting people we encounter and hearing <laughs> uh, the story. No, honestly, like hearing the stories, hearing the background, like uh, like randomly you'll meet that person that set a r- world record. They're like what? How random is this? But hey, you're, you're here, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, but I think uh, so. I'll say that like the amount of cool people we meet, um, and just hearing those, those stories, like they can be super encouraging or inspiring. But I think for me, some like still new to this. Um, I can say right now, my favorite thing is I get to create with other creatives. Um, you're talking about me, right? <laughs> Uh, other creatives, uh, <laughs> not on this podcast. <laughs> no, um, honestly, that, that's something I don't get a chance to do often, and so the fact that I can do it here, and um, it's it's it's, it's cool. Um, it's very beneficial. It's it's fun, and I I never get tired of uh getting to do that. Honestly, my favorite part is uh that this is my family. Mm. And so I think just like, again, going back to like the parenting analogy, I, I, as challenging as my kids can be, I love my kids, right? And there's no other um, two children that I'd want to lead other than my kids. So for me, part of what I love about Vintage Church is that Vintage truly is my family and I get to lead my family. Speaking of your kids, I think Emily needs a drum set. Mm. No, she doesn't. Because she keeps banging on this. One. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> That's because she was lacking supervision yesterday. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> next question. <laughs> We're going to skip around a little bit. And, and maybe we've already answered this, so if we've answered it, um, just let me know if we have. Why do you love being a pastor of Vintage Church? So we're kind of nuancing the question. I think I shared my answer. They're my family. Uh, but let me know if, what, if you have a different answer to that question. I would just say, I, I mean, I, I love what Vintage has done up until this point and, and what we are are continuing to become, you know. Um, it's definitely changing, and to, to keep on your parenting analogy and kids, I think we're we're aging and we're maturing in, in some ways, so it's, it's, a, it's fun to be a part of a, I would say, a dynamic, um, non-static, non-normal uh, type of environment, though that can definitely lead us a lot to the prayer room and drawing board and we spend a lot of time discussing a bunch of different possibilities it's also cool to be a part of um something like that you know so Wait, what's the question again i'm sorry mark fell asleep <laughs> no <laughs> he zoned out um why do you love being a pastor of vintage church maybe you, you might have already answered it and that's okay i might have because um, you said the creative yeah that's true on uh i think the other thing 
uh, I really like it. It's not tr- like for me um, that uh, our gatherings are centered around worship. Like we worship in the beginning, worship in the end. Um, and then right in the middle is worship too, right? That's worship too. But like, that's the time we get to give to God. And, you know, in that sermon is when he gives back to us. But well, it's truly, but I think it's because we're giving more to God. Like we're constantly worshiping. So, and it's very rare that I walk into churches where like worship isn't, uh, something on a program. Like it's, uh, but I mean, sorry, it's often that I walk into a church where I'm worship is like, it's just, this it's right here. And that's the only time we do it. But I think for us, it's like, everything is around it. So, or rather it surrounds everything else. So it's probably one of my favorite things. Yeah, I would uh, definitely echo what Brick said. Um, I think another thing that I think of is just like the uniqueness of the pastoral, uh, our pastoral team, how we work together. Um, We're not, you know, we're not alone in anything we do. We shoulder things together. We work very much as a team, which for me is just huge, especially when it comes to how difficult things can be sometimes. I can't imagine being the only, being a solo, you know? Uh, and so the fact that our pastoral team works alongside each other, I think is makes the experience of being a pastor here even more enjoyable. And then I would also say kind of like brick, like it's exciting to be a part of a church that is doing new, trying to do new, fresh things to reach people with the gospel while also keeping the truth, the truth. Right. So we're always willing to try something new, uh, outside the box. Um, but also we, we hold fast to the truth at the same time, which I think is really cool that we are uh, trying to stretch ourselves to to do different things. And, you know, Mark said it, we have a lot of, we encounter a lot of different people. And uh, that's actually kind of a neat thing. Like we, we have a very, like our church body is just very, uh, you know, diverse in different ways, right? And we want to continue to become more diverse. But different seasons of life, different backgrounds. Like it's just so unique and there's always hidden talents. Yeah. Hidden talents. You know, I mean, just who, who's the world the, record holder, Mark? Is that, that you a, just no, I'm just saying like we, we, we would, oh, oh. we don't have, we don't have, well, I don't know. So we know, knowing at, at this okay. church, we really might have somebody who has a world record. They, we just don't know it yet. So I'm putting it out there. Mark, we have a world record holder somewhere in the church. I know we do. Mark, you said we should start a reality TV show. Yes. For vintage. So who would be the star? I'm not trying to say that. We're not doing that. That's never go well. Nick Perrette. <laughs> He's the main character. <laughs> okay. Uh, two more questions. Uh, for me, these are probably the most important questions. Um, what is your greatest hope for Vintage Church? To continue to keep having impact. Keep keep yeah. doing what we're doing, you know? Same for me. I would say the same thing. Um, let me continue to grow. Um, have impact and have influence in New Orleans, uh, which is desperately needed right now, especially. Yeah, I would say that. And then secondly, that we would all take continue to take steps and steps in Christian maturity, closer to Jesus, wherever each of us find ourselves, that we would not settle, but we would all just continue to grow and be discipled as our impact is expanded as well. I think um, I go back to that child illustration and analogy, right? Like, I, I want my kids to grow and they're going to develop at their own rate, right? Where I, I shouldn't, Gabe's going to be 10, Emily's 7, um, is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. They're, they're in this weird... Emily just celebrated a birthday, and Gabe's uh, in a month, going to be 10. But I can't expect my kids to be 18 right now, right? They're, they're 10 and they're 7, and mm-hmm. they're going to act like 10 and 7-year-olds. But I need them to mature, and along the way that they mature, they're going to make an impact in their unique spheres and unique world. But the ultimate hope is that they would mature into mature... Um, people and mature Christians who will make an impact in their world, right? So I think there's this tension of we've got to mature, but as we mature, we can make an impact as well, you know? And I think for me, that's one of the things that um, is a big hope for me. And I think part of that is helping our people recognize that there's something more beyond of what they're experiencing, you know? Like, Again, I don't know, I'm just kind of stuck on the kid analogy, but trying to help my kids understand that, uh, yeah, homework sucks. Like, I don't like homework, right? I didn't like it when I had to do it, and I definitely don't like helping my kids do it now. But there's something beyond, like, the homework that they're doing now, right? And they need to understand how to how to add and subtract and multiply and divide. But it's not about adding and subtracting, multiplying and dividing. It's about something more. And I think for a lot of our people, it's, it's helping them understand that like maturity is the goal, impact is the goal, but there's something beyond that that's richer, that's more than just stepping back and saying, I made an impact or I'm more mature now. Like when we actually mature and when we grow, when we make an impact, there's more. And I think it's, um, I don't know, I think for me, part of that spitballing is just uh, it's, it's our, um, the fullness, right? It's that idea of shalom and, and that delight and that wholeness that we experience. And then it's ultimately about God's glory. And I know that those are kind of like cliche answers, but I think without being able to like touch it and say, that's it, that's it for our people. Last question, how can Vintage Church and others pray for you? Hmm. <laughs> ahead, Thanks Mark. for tapping me, Weaver. Wait on you. Um, I guess he didn't want to go first this time. That's cool. Mix it up. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Vintage Church can pray for me, um, and I might speak for all of us. One, peace of mind. Um, two, that you remain disciplined, and uh, that we don't get tired of one. That we don't get tired of being a Christian, being a leader. And being an example for the church. Yeah, for me personally, just pray for our family as we navigate, you know, having a baby and all that fun stuff, uh, the transition with that. But secondly, I would just say, like, I think all the pastors would echo this. There's there's a pray for um, endurance uh, just as we lead during just these crazy days. Uh, there is there is definitely like a heavy weight to being a pastor that no one's going to really understand unless you're a pastor. Right. Uh, you know, cause you're not in the, you're not in that, you know? And so like we carry a heavy weight and we, we, we want to carry that weight. We want to help people, but we also need to care for ourselves, our families. And so uh, just pray that we would stay healthy and spend time with God and treasure him above everything else as we, carry out the ministry. Yeah, I would just say my uh, <clears throat> my phase of life right now with my family, you know, I think uh, definitely busy with different activities, which is fun. Uh, I think 
you know, we keep talking a lot about a parenting illustration, but uh, we're in a sweet spot right now. It's a little cool dad. Uh, there's there's glimpses where I'm not in Elizabeth's eyes, and she's you know almost eight. So, yeah, just trying to enjoy that that phase. And I know that in a few years from now, I'm gonna be the uncool dad and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I would say, yeah, like what y'all said, it's not just the faith. It's uh, I think a prayer of just in this current time with all the challenges. You know, I think that's the the crazy thing right now is I think weekly there's unknowns to. Sometimes daily, you know, and that's um, that's definitely um, something that can make you anxious and stuff. And so it's it's leading through that, living through that, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, for me, I think it's just wisdom. Yeah, sometimes the ability to make the right decision in the right time, in the right place. Part of the challenging thing about life sometimes is I think we think about life as like here's two doors: one door is wrong and one door is right. And many times that's just not reality. You have uh, 10 doors and eight out of 10 are okay. Mm. Two are really bad. Don't, t- don't <laughs> touch the two bad doors. Right. But the eight are okay. Like what should we do? And it's, you know, seeking the Lord and asking him for wisdom and, um, slowing down long enough to, to seek the wisdom. And then when God gives the wisdom, actually trusting the wisdom and then obeying the wisdom along the way. Gentlemen, I think that's the end. Thanks for sharing with us. Sad face. Don't be sad. <laughs> I really do mean it when I say thank you, not only for this, but uh, Weaver, you mentioned it. I think one of the things that I love about Vintage is the reality that I don't have to shoulder all of this weight alone, right? And that we do get to lead together. And uh, so it is a, a joy and a blessing to be able to lead with each one of you and to care for these people and care for Vintage Church with you. So... Uh, Vintage Church, I would encourage you, you have an entire month to um, show these men how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. That might come in the form of a gift. That might come in the form of a thank you note. That might come in the form of a a call. uh, That might come in the form of just a, a hug or a handshake, thanking them for what they do. And my biggest encouragement to you is don't let the month of October pass without saying thank you. Your appreciation uh, of us, I think, uh, goes more than you might imagine um, that it that it does. So, uh, yeah, I would just encourage you as we go through this month uh, to show your appreciation for um, these men and uh, your pastors. If you're enjoying this content, I would encourage you. Uh, to subscribe, to stay up to date. You can uh, leave a review. You can share it with others. The goal, the desire is that what we share with you uh, will equip and inspire you, that it would equip and inspire you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. Thanks for listening to After Sunday. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show, leave us a review, and share it with others. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Vintage Church, check out VintageChurchMovement.com.